Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays. For the two hundredth hey! <laughs> <laughs> episode, George. Yeah. Two hundred. And this is uh, probably probably longer, I don't know, but this is uh, kind of a summer. we got to recap some stuff from the summer on this one. There's some stuff that happened this yeah. summer, for sure. Yeah. Um, but people are probably wondering, what in the world, why are you guys wearing these Hawaiian shirts? Why are we doing it? It's comfy. Yeah, this it is comfy. It's actually. I said, "Oh man, yeah, like, uh, that's kind of nice." And I brought bad. these brought these back from Hawaii when um, we went out there for my parents' fiftieth anniversary. It was a good time, but when we wore these like to the luau, but I thought, you know what? I'm come. We're coming back. It's a two hundredth anniversary. Two hundredth anniversary. Two. It's a two hundred. Yeah, two hundredth. Two hundredth episode. It's our two hundredth episode. Uh huh. And uh, we got to talk about Rick Warren. Yeah. Because so of the we're gonna, summer. Well, so we got to wear Rick Warren shirts. Yeah. I mean, he's a celebrity. Yeah. Um, he's been so influential, as we'll, we'll discover from Rick Warren himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not? Why not dress like Rick? We got to dress like him. This is how he, he preached in this attire. And uh-huh. so we say, hey, we're paying homage to the greatest man that's ever lived other than Jesus. And so, um, according to pretty much himself, uh-huh. so we got to wear Rick Warren shirts, right? Let's do it. You know, let's talk, let's talk about Rick Warren. Okay. Well, uh, who is he? Who's Rick Warren? Maybe right, for those so- that are listening, they don't know. And um, who who is this guy? Uh, how long was he? Thirty years, I think so. Thirty years at Saddleback Church in mm-hmm. California, mm-hmm. Uh, Orange County. Is he in L.A.? Or is he outside of LA? Yeah, it's it's right there around LA, so you might confuse it with Brokeback, but it's Saddleback. Okay. Yeah, gotta clarify that. That's good. That's called foreshadowing. That's going to be one of those episodes. That's foreshadowing <laughs> That's... for later in the in the episode. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Uh, so he's uh, he was the longtime pastor of of Saddleback Church. Um, he wrote Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church. Yeah. Is there another one? Uh, who knows? Is there another one in the? Is, was there a purpose-driven trilogy? Forty days of purpose. It was all uh, part of the. Yeah, it was all. Uh, there's cr- a, a curriculum. I a mean, big, he. Yeah, he's got a program. Big program. Uh, you that, can yeah. you can actually preach Rick Warren sermons for. That's how forty you do days it. of a purpose, yeah. right? That's how you do the purpose-driven church program. Yeah, um, but really, I think the I think the best way for us to introduce Rick Warren is to have Rick Warren introduce himself. Do you have that? Uh, well, I did. But do you have that well, video? Well, well you, you tell the people. I'll, I'll introduce. I'll introduce. Okay, you tell well, them what this is. So we've got. Uh, so and this summer was the uh, the yeah. Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, that's right. It's every every year. was it June? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, the, the summer has gone by so quickly. I don't even remember when uh-huh. it was. Yeah. Uh, I think it was in June. And um, Rick Warren's church is at the center of um, a controversy in the Southern Baptist Convention because just recently, maybe a month, month or two before the convention, his church um, ordained some women as pastors. Yeah. Now this is not this is not splitting hairs. They they actually ordained women and they called them pastors. Mm-hmm. 
um, and he defends it. It's not, yeah, it's so, not, it's so not even is, like, hey, can a woman preach it on a Sunday? Or right, whatever? No, right. That's a different like argument. Mm-hmm. This one is just like, hey, we just ordain women. Yeah, they pastors. just ordain women as pastors. Yeah. This is in direct violation of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. There's, there's different ways that people are trying to interpret the Baptist Faith and Message, but it it explicitly says that while while there are, are various uh, ways in which men and women can serve, the office of pastor is right. reserved for men. Yeah, yeah. So it, it that's um, what is that? That's the last line in the article in the church, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it it explicitly reserves the office of pastor to men. Right. Saddleback under Rick Warren's leadership, uh-huh. ordained women as pastors. There was um, a call for the um, credentials committee yeah. to disfellowship. disfellowship them. Yeah. Well, um, Rick Warren, he's a celebrity, and he's he's friends with the platform. It probably doesn't have anything to do with the millions and millions of dollars. I'm sure. That they give to yeah. the SBC. Um, no? So... <laughs> Before we before we watch, we got to talk about the fact that the chairman of the credentials committee, who is a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she she got up and you know they have a Q and A time and she was explaining themselves and why they weren't they Just weren't gonna, they weren't going to move they weren't going to they weren't going to move on this uh, <laughs> uh, they they had decided that um, they needed to form a. a a committee, a, a task force, <laughs> um, to study what a pastor is. Yeah, to study what the word pastor, like what is how, how our churches use. Yeah, the word so pastor. so the 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 title of pastor is being used in different ways huh. in Southern Baptist churches. We've talked about that before, right? Um, and how we have we have just kind of opened up Pandora's box by saying there's senior pastor, there's right. associate pastor, there's youth pastor, there's children's pastor, and you've got all these different pastors. Um, and so it, it has been opened up. Right. Um, but now uh, now the uh, credentials committee is is saying to the Southern Baptist Convention, we don't even know what a pastor we is. We study what pastor is. So we got to study what a pastor is. Um, it's It's been ridiculed. Um <laughs> To death, mm-hmm. but um, on the on the uh, the coattails of that discussion, Rick Warren actually stands up. He he has a microphone, and he is given just he's he, given he's six just, minutes. He's yeah he's he's just given unlimited unlimited time, time. to to uh, address the uh, the floor, which is out of order. So it, what's interesting is that the the platform, um, the, the leaders, go. they are. Throughout the convention, they anytime somebody disagrees with something, they are very quick to use the the Roberts Rules of Order to, to cut them off. Cut them off. But here is Rick Warren. They'll be like, they'll say things like, "That's this uh, is out of order. That's uh, not in, what is the, the term? Not in friendly, whatever. They have a term for it's like like not coming from a friendly place. <laughs> friendly resolution. And they'll uh, cut. They'll yeah, shut yeah, you down. It's out of order. Yeah. Um. But here's Rick Warren. Celebrity pastor, he's friends with those in leadership, and he's out of order. I mean, this is this is not. Oh yeah, this is not. Um, this is not how it's supposed to be done. Um, but he gets, like you said, six minutes, and um, 
let's let's listen to it. Do we want to listen to the whole thing and then talk about it, or we want to we want to just kind of uh, <laughs> excuse me. We want to play little clips and. and I will see. Uh, I I don't even. I haven't watched this thing in several months, but. Well, it's. I mean, it's funny how he begins and then how he. I mean, he I don't proceeds. want. I don't want people to be cut off from the greatest man that ever lived. That's that's either, true. Maybe so. we should just. Maybe we should just let him listen to Rick Warren and then we can. Then we can. Tired of hot and stuffy rooms. Okay. What is happening? What are you listening to? All right, here we go. Let's uh, let's pull it up. Okay. You know. Um, First, everybody welcome to Orange County, Southern Baptist of 149 Southern Baptist churches here. 90 of them started by Saddleback Church. <laughs> hey, off to a good start. We're, start- <laughs> <laughs> we're starting off humbly. Yes, that's yeah. right. Well, you know, what's interesting is that by having women pastors of his church, they're not even a church anymore. Hate to break it to them. Hey, keep your eye on the guy in the orange shirt that's right behind his, his right shoulder. You know, it's customary um, for a, a guy who's about to be hung to let him say his dying words. <laughs> Extra large noose required. I have no intention of defending myself. I have taught my kids and grandkids right, for stop. years. I am most likely... He has to no I- intention to defend himself. Mm. Just keep that in mind. Okay. He has no intention of defending himself. All right. Let, let the man speak. All right. I refuse to defend myself. Amen. The Bible says Jesus spoke not a word unto them when Pilate accused him of all kinds of things. So I have no intention. Uh, I have most of you on my mailing list anyway, and I can write you and tell you what I believe about the gift of pastoring as opposite from the office of pastoring. But I'm not here to talk about that. Last time I wrote <laughs> I, I got to stop, dude. We got to do an episode on this okay. coming in the future. But you have to, you have to Listen to what he said. I will. I, I'm. I'm happy to talk to you about the difference between the gift of pastor and the office of pastor. I just want to say that in 2,000 years of the Christian Church, that argument has never the, appeared. The gift. So let's let's just translate that word pastor because that that's yeah that's um that's the word <clears throat> the word is shepherd. So uh-huh. the gift of shepherding and the actual office right of shepherding. Yeah. Yeah. It's never appeared in church history. Uh-huh. No one's ever tried to make this argument. Right. Even the uh, even the other liberal folks who have, are try to make arguments for women pastors have never like separated the, these two like this. Right. I mean, it, we could we could chase that rabbit if you want to. I've got things that we could say. Let's, uh, we'll, okay. we'll do an episode right, later I'll, I'll on hold this. Hold off on it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I'd like for my possibly likely last convention to read it to you. Kay and I could have not built Saddleback Church to its size and influence in any other denomination. I love Southern Baptist. I am a fourth generation Southern Baptist pastor. My great grandfather was led to Christ by Charles Spurgeon and sent to America as a church planter. I actually think that they that, found out that's not true. That actually is, yeah, it's uh, that that can't be verified. There's been yeah. people who have tried to do the background, mm-hmm. um, and they they can't find that. Mm-hmm. I think they found out that it's actually not true. Yeah. I'd have to look it back, look look it up, but they found out who he's talking about, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not a thing. Right. It's like a it's like a family legend, yeah. You know, it, it's like Elizabeth Warren being Native American. <laughs> it's kind of like that equivalent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. 
CalVac was sponsored by the North American Mission Board. I served on the staff of the California State Convention and the Texas State Convention as a teenager. <clears throat> Billy Graham picked me up when I was 18 and for the next 52 years mentored me because I started at 16 years old, hired by the California Convention to preach youth revivals, and I had preached, I had preached over, over 120 uh, harvest crusades before I was 20. Billy took this long-haired, skinny Californian and mentored me for the next 52 years. Here's my love letter to you, because I really am grateful if this is my last convention. Because of Southern Baptist polity, I was allowed to serve one church for life. That's not possible in those denominations. And, get, and grew it to become the largest church in this convention. Because Southern Baptist gave me a passion for evangelism and mission, we baptized 56,631 new believers. I bet you they don't know where 5,000 of them are. <laughs> you bet? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. And as the Southern Baptist Church sent 26,869 members overseas to 197 nations. Because Southern Baptist taught me the value of a membership covenant. 78,157 members of our church signed our membership covenant after taking a four-hour membership class. Because Southern Baptist taught me to emphasize the priority of Bible study, we now have 9,173 home Bible studies in homes in 162 Southern California cities. Because Southern Baptist taught me the value of church planting, as I already mentioned, we planted 90 in Orange County alone, and literally thousands around the world. Because Southern Baptist taught me to honor and love the local church, I've had the privilege for 43 years of training 1.1 million pastors. That, sorry friends, that's more than all the seminaries put together. Let's <laughs> stop it. It's the dumbest thing I've heard in a while. It's pretty dumb. It's it's ridiculous. It's like a, I don't even know how he could get the words to come out of his mouth. It's his love letter to the convention, Jay. Yeah, it's his love letter to the convention. Uh, he trained 1.1 million pastors. There's no way. No, it's not a possible. Somebody did the math on it, and it's like not even. It's not even physically possible to do in 30 years. You'd have to train like I can't even remember how many a day. I I don't know where he's getting. <laughs> uh, I don't know where he's getting the number. One point one million. Mm -hmm. He's counting. Maybe he's counting the people who like have downloaded a sermon. I th <laughs> 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 right. It's it's probably anyone that has taken any kind of course that he's offered. Right. That's that's probably it. Uh. And if that's the level of training. Like he's saying, this is more. So he's he's comparing. He's he's saying this. I've trained more pastors than all the seminaries combined. Mm -hmm. So he's saying the level the level of training for one point one million pastors is the same as the seminaries. That's yeah. that's. I mean, that's what's implied. 
uh-huh. is that this training is just as as in depth as the seminaries. Yeah. No. Yeah, there's not a chance. No way. <clears throat> nope. I mean, it, it's the, it's the most ridiculous nonsense statement ever. Yeah. And ever. I mean, how you many, know, how everyone many pa- there is just so so. Spurgeon Spurgeon had his uh, his school. Mm-hmm. He started his pastor school. How many uh, how many pastors do you think that he he trained? I'm gonna look that know. up. I'm gonna look and see how many pastors Spurgeon trained. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, consider you have to count now. You have to count throughout all history the people who have read that's, his books. That's right. Any of his books, so it's probably in the billions. I'm just joking, yes. obviously. But uh, while you look that up, do you want me to continue on? Yes. All right, let's go. I owe you all so much. So I sincerely say, thank you, Southern Baptist, for shaping my life. And it cl- you're never going to find another Baptist who agrees with you completely on everything. There are Baptist brothers here today who don't believe Jesus died for the whole world. <laughs> well, we to somehow get along with them. Somehow get along. He had to throw that out there. Culture grows more dark, more evil, more secular. We have to decide, are we going to treat each other as allies or adversaries? You can use that argument to get away with absolutely anything. Oh, yeah. You know that? Oh, yeah. The world's getting more secular. Mm -hmm. Are we going to treat each other as allies or adversaries? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are Christian churches that deny the Bible. They deny inerrancy. They pretty much deny the gospel outright. Are, are we going to treat them as allies? We got to, right? Because right, the world's else, getting the world's getting darker. Uh, we got to stand. He's together. going to he's going to to really pull on your uh, your heartstrings in just a second. Mm. Second, since this is the year two thousand and twenty-two, that means we are two thousand and twenty-two years from the birth of Christ. Now we know Christ started his ministry at 30 years of age. Luke tells us that, had a three and a half year ministry. Christ died in AD 33. He was resurrected in AD 33. He gave the great commission in AD 33. He sent the Holy Spirit and started the church in AD 33. That means 2033, just 11 years from today, is the 2000th anniversary of the Great Commission. I hope one of you, because I won't be here next year, will make a resolution that Baptists take the next 10 years to finish the task of the Great Commission in our generation before the 2000th anniversary of the church. Are we gonna keep bickering over secondary issues? Are we gonna keep the main thing, the main thing? (laughs) We need to finish the task and that will make God smile. Thank you everybody, I love you. Hey, all you have to do if you want anything to be approved there at the convention is bring it back to that last part. Uh That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you could get anything through, I'm I am absolutely convinced. Why are we bickering over the inerrancy of Scripture? Yeah, we all agree on the Great Commission. Right, we should keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, yeah. Something there. There you go. 
That's it. Uh, so I looked it up. Um, I don't know how how accurate this is, but it it popped up immediately. Um, between 1857 and 1892, Spurgeon trained. Uh, take a guess. How, how many how many pastors how, do you think how many Spurgeon? Years? It was um, not quite thirty years. I'm gonna say, yeah, a little a little over thirty. Yeah. 30, 30 years. Yeah, five hundred. Five hundred. Eight hundred and sixty-three. Okay. And he had a school, and he he actually he actually taught them. Right. He actually tra- he actually trained them. Uh huh. Um. They they had to apply to get in. He he had to like interview them to mm-hmm. to make sure they were qualified. Right. Um. I mean, he turned people away. Mm-hmm. Uh, 863 yeah um and he planted 200 churches in britain yeah man if he could see his if, if he could see know. his if he could see the spiritual descendant of <laughs> 1.1 1. 1 million pastors that would we just be we should have brought up we should have collected the memes that people made about this rick warren clip because uh-huh. they were like so I mean, they were making fun of him so bad. You know, oh like, yeah, there I was mm-hmm. in the Jordan River, and I baptized John the Baptist. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I don't know where he gets the one point one million, um, but it's total nonsense. I'm not buying it. Nah, I'm not buying it. <clears throat> well, I don't buy it either because I don't think he's a person who has any integrity whatsoever. Um, the first time I noticed this is when. Uh, I hadn't even, you know, I hadn't even been a Christian that long. But I, I think, you know, if you're if you're a Christian, I think the Spirit gives you a spirit of discernment. You know, you, you're you have some discernment if you have the Holy Spirit. And one thing I noticed was how how much he would twist uh, twist Scripture in that Purpose Driven Life book. Like it's really bad, man. Um, I would say hundreds, hundreds of times he he twists Scriptures there to say what he wants things to say. I'll give you two egregious examples, okay? Job twenty two twenty one. Do you have the text of your Bible? You go there. Job where where? Twenty two twenty one. I believe. I believe. Twenty two twenty one. Yeah. Okay. I'll go to the the passage in Proverbs. But when you have it, go ahead and uh, let us hear it. Job twenty two twenty one. I think is it is it not it? Okay, uh, I'll yeah, I'll read it. Read it. Let me okay. see if I got it right. Uh, yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby, good will come to you. Uh, and there may be a little bit more to that. Okay, so he uses the whole thing. Okay, he'll use it in his section about purpose driven to get you to try to live your life by a purpose, like. Yielded to God's will, but uh-huh. who says it? That's the question. It's Eliphaz the Timonite. It's it's Job's Job's, Job's friend, friend, which God condemns him at the end for giving bad advice, because Eliphaz's whole thing is Job is suffering because he's not in God's will. He's not living according to God's purposes. Right, and he has this comes out of this whole this speech back and forth by these friends, and the whole context of that is is the friends are wrong. Mm-hmm. So you take one scripture. And you build like a whole section of your argument around that. That's just one example of well, the, pro- the problem. The problem with Job's friends is um, now we're really going to chase a rabbit, Jay. Uh, is that some of the things they say is true, right? And some of the things they say 
are <clears throat> false. Right. And so you have to be really careful as you mm. read through them because you'll read some of the stuff and be like, oh, yeah, that, that does sound right. Um, that That's what a lot of false teachers do. That is, that is what a lot <laughs> of they, false teachers do. That they, not everything they say is false. Mm-hmm. They uh, they mix they mix the uh, the truth with error, and um, so you that's that's what makes them so dangerous. Uh, but yeah, you can't you can't just pull out one verse from uh, and that's, from one of his friends and build a whole. You shouldn't do that with any verse. Just just build a whole theology around one verse. Well, and that's what he does throughout the entire book. Mm. And, and and they won't have anything to do with the context. And he'll change like translations. Mm. So he'll quote uh well like a lot of preachers do around we've talked about this before. Jan it's Jan it's about to be January. Mm. You got to preach your your vision casting your vision sermon casting, yeah. and you're going to go to Proverbs 29:18 which says I think you sh- it's in the maybe in the KJV uh, without a vision, the people perish. Yeah, that's what that's what he'll quote. Mm-hmm. Without a vision, the people perish. And he's real big on vision casting in the church. So he's yeah. got a whole section about this. Uh, but that's not what that text actually means at all, right? Right. It means something like uh, what the ESV says. Would you probably have it there? Without um, without prophecy or prophetic word, the people cast off restraint. Right. Is that what it says? I think that's what the ESV says. I, I've got the New American Standard here. Okay, what does it say? Uh, it says, uh, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, uh-huh. but there's parallel. Right. So in order to understand the Proverbs, a lot of times you've got to read the whole, you got to read the whole proverb because it explains itself. Yeah. So without vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Right. So what is the vision that he's talking about? He's well, talking about God's word. Right. And that comes out in the ESV. The yeah. pro- without a prophet, without the prophetic right. voice, mm-hmm. the people right. cast off restraint. Right. That's a lot different than you got to have a vision for where <laughs> right. you're going in life, mm-hmm. or where the where your church is going to go in life. Yeah. And so, but those just two, right? Mm-hmm. If you if, and I tried to find the purpose driven life, I couldn't find a copy in our church. I think I got which, rid of mine. Which which may be a good plug for you to come to our church. Because there's not one found in our walls. <laughs> I couldn't find one. So I was going to find one and get several of these examples, because this is all the book is. Hey, I'm not uh, I'm not uh, admitting to anything, but there may be worse books on your bookshelf than The Purpose Driven Life, Jay. Did you guys hide something in there again? <laughs> oh, no. You guys hid another book in my office. You guys. Hey, I... I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just, here's just another example. Let's talk about, you know, we need to move on probably here in a second, but he, he's not a person of integrity. Yeah. Okay. So I don't believe the things he says ever. Um, when he tells you he's not going to defend himself and then he tells you like he's the greatest and he man. Def- and then he defends himself. Yeah. He tells you he's the greatest man pretty much that ever lived. Um, <laughs> but this is when Proposition 8 was going on. He was on Larry King Live and I found a guy, this is like over 10 years ago, a guy made a video about his double speak, mm. I guess we can call it. Yeah. Um, Proposition 8 was, uh, they voted on a law in California as to whether they would uphold traditional marriage or not. And or- originally, initially, Californians voted to maintain traditional marriage. Did you know that? And then they had it overridden by the courts. Mm. The courts are the ones who imposed their will upon the people of mm. California, which is crazy to think about. Um, but this is, this seems like this is, Another another universe we're talking about, back when like Obama was pro marriage, uh-huh. 
and and the Clintons were pro marriage, right? And pretty much everybody on the planet were pro marriage. Uh, this is not very long ago, man. But it, but it, it it it's almost like thinking back to, you know, um, five hundred years ago or something. That's how quick things change. Right. But listen, l- look at this. Just we don't have to play at all, but you got to see it. No matter what you may think of Rick Warren's opinion on things, he's an extraordinary guy and uh, always a great guest and always good to have him. He's pastor of the Saddleback Church. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Purpose Driven Life. He delivered the invocation at Barack Obama's inauguration. He comes to us from Irvine. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, 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 I'd forgotten about <clears throat> that too. Um, a Democrat could never survive today doing that. Not, not even let's like say, should he have done that for him? Mm-hmm. There is no way a Democrat could survive politically having someone like Rick Warren do it. Yeah. That's how quick our culture's changed. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. crazy, huh? Yep. California, how did you handle all the controversy that resulted about the president selecting you? Yeah. You know, Larry, there was a story within a story that never got told in the first place. I am not an anti-gay or anti-gay marriage activist. Never have been, never will be. During the whole Proposition 8 thing, I never once went to a meeting, never once issued a statement, uh, never never once uh, even uh, gave an endorsement in the two years Prop 8 was going. Here we go. Now, let me just say this really clearly. Uh, we support Proposition 8. And if you believe what the Bible says about marriage, you need to support Proposition 8. I never support a candidate, but on moral issues, I come out very clear. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. The week before the, uh, uh, the vote, somebody in my church said, Pastor Rick, uh, what, what do you think about this? And I sent a note to my own members that said, I actually believe that marriage is really should be defined, that that definition should be saved between a man and a woman. And then all of a sudden out of it, they made me, you know, uh, something that I really wasn't. And uh, I actually, uh, there were a number of things that were put out. Uh, I, I wrote to all my gay friends, the leaders that I knew, and actually apologized to them. That never got out. What? Uh, there were some things said that, uh, you know, everybody should have 10% grace when they say public statements. And I was asked a question that made it sound like I equated uh, gay marriage with pedophilia or uh, incest, which I absolutely do not believe. And- <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> but the issue to me is... Another is, interview um, here. I'm not opposed to that as much as I'm opposed to the redefinition of a 5,000-year definition of marriage. I'm opposed to having a brother and sister be together and call that marriage. I'm opposed to an older guy marrying a child and calling that a marriage. I'm opposed to one guy having multiple wives and calling that marriage. Do you think those are equivalent to gays getting married? Oh, I do. I, 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 I just- <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back and forth we go, man. Do you just therefore contradiction criticize another. or not comment on the Iowa court decision to permit gay marriage. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally uh, oblivious to, to uh, what's that. That's not even my agenda. Yeah. I just say, for 5,000 years, 
marriage has been defined by every single culture and every single religion. Now, this is not a Christian issue. Buddhist, Muslims, Jews, uh, you know, historically, marriage is a man and a woman. And so I'm opposed to that. So just it's just back and forth, man. Mm -hmm. he just contradicts himself over and over and over and over. Another question that uh, you wrote me this week that I want to respond to in the Saddleback News and Views is uh, you, you say, Rick, uh, what about these hateful attacks? Uh, you know, when you uh, refuse to side with either extreme, uh, you're going to get attacked. And the only way to not be attacked is to do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And uh, a lot of you have written to me this week and said, uh, Rick, uh, how are you going to respond to all these, you know, these false accusations and um, attacks? Uh, outright lies and, and hateful slander and really a lot of hate speech. It's what I would call Christophobia. People who are afraid of any Christian. Well, you know how I'm going to respond. You already know the answer. Because we're going to respond the same way that we have responded to every single unfair attack over 30 years. We have no intention of changing. <laughs> I am not an anti-gay or anti-gay marriage activist. Never have been, never will. Now, well, let me just say this really clearly. All right, that, that's um, a, you get the point. Yeah. You get the point. So he's, on yeah. Larry King Live, he'll say one thing. Right. Uh, he won't defend the biblical mm -hmm. stance on marriage or what it should be, and then he'll right. say, I never said anything about that, and then there's, that, there's video evidence that shows that he was mm. against or he was voting. He was for Proposition Eight, which was for biblical marriage. Yeah. But then he wasn't, and then you know. And then he. The worst thing is he wrote a letter to apologize. Like, what do you apologize? Why would you apologize for something God spoke on? Why would you ever do that? You know what I mean? Why? You know, I just I don't get it. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Mm. Rick Warren, can we take these shirts off now or as we move on to the next Yeah, yeah. I'm section. Ready to take this off. Well, where do we go next? <clears throat> well, um I think, you know, over the summer, uh the Supreme Court, they uh they overturned Roe versus Wade. Oh, I thought you were going to segue from gay marriage to monkeypox. Uh, I mean, That's I wasn't. Pretty... I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why would I say that? They're not related at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking before we we started recording that uh, the the contrast between the way that um, the government <laughs> handled COVID. Yeah. And you have to be completely isolated and. You know, <clears throat> grandma has to die alone mm -hmm. in the hospital room and you can't go visit anybody. But with monkeypox, which is almost exclusively um, confined to the homosexual men, mm -hmm. um, there's been no move to like, oh, yeah. try to curb any of the sexual immorality that, right. that's going on. I mean, you've got you've got pride month mm -hmm. and then you've got monkey pox. Right. It's, it's, um, I mean, it just shows that the world is, it, it is just given over to its lust. Mm -hmm. And 
you see this, you see this in the book of Revelation that when God pours out his his judgments upon the world, the world doesn't repent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't repent. It uh towards the end of Revelation, they actually start cursing God because of the, <laughs> right. the because yeah. of the the punishments. Instead of repenting, they curse God. Yeah. And and we see this mm-hmm. with the judgments on our nation. The people aren't repenting. Yeah. They just keep doing the the same things, right? Um, because they're just given over to mm-hmm. to their sensuality. Um, but uh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Yeah, um, which mon- mon- monumental decision. I, I mean. never thought it would happen ever yeah. in in our lifetime. I didn't think it would ever happen. Like I thought, there's just no way it, it can happen. So I was definitely I was wrong. In thinking that, um, but it was a, I, was, I mean, a good surprise, right? I mean, all the, the abortion clinics in Oklahoma, they've, they've shut down. Like, they're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, there's still, there there's still, still work to be done um, because, I mean, as long as, like, the Plan B pill is, right. is still being used, as, as long as, as uh, birth control methods that um, actually cause abortions are mm-hmm. being used um we're still we're still killing babies mm-hmm. um but uh what what happened as a result of roe versus wade is um you saw just people losing their minds oh yeah just losing their they mind, went nuts losing man. their minds uh and i kind of collected a bunch of uh we did we did like Facebook a pre-episode posts. on this called it demon shriek yeah remember that uh-huh, it was yeah, it yeah. was when the thing was leaked it wasn't even when yeah, it was yeah, done yeah yeah uh-huh. The episode's called Demon Shriek. So right. if you want to go back and uh, watch that, we talk a little bit about this. But then, of course, when it actually happened, yeah. people did oh, yeah. lose their minds. Um, and you've what what this did, more than anything, is that it exposed the, uh, the wickedness of even professing Christians on this issue. And so I, uh, I collected a bunch of tweets and, uh, and Facebook posts mm-hmm. um, just kind of exposing the, the ridiculous arguments yeah. that are being used. Um, I, I didn't catch all of them, I'm sure, but I, I thought that I'd share, uh, share a few of them. We could uh, we could uh, mock them, expose because, the ridiculousness <laughs> because, they're, because they're so terrible. Uh, so uh, you can pull this up, Larry. All right, here's the first one: Christians' choice is sacred. Ours is a gospel of choice. Ours is a theology that holds the free will of humankind as a central tenet. The very salvation of a Christian hinges upon whether one has made the personal decision, read, choice, to accept Christ as their Savior and trust Him with their life. Without choice, our very faith falls apart. How, then, can Christians be the loudest celebrants of the stripping away of choice from women across the nation? This is a tragedy, not a victory. Choice is sacred. Choice is sacred, George. Yeah. Choice. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we could say a lot. I mean, there's a lot of bad theology, just just the, so, just soteriology. Um, well, there's super there. bad soteriology. I think people know where we stand as far as soteriology goes. Um, because but, it's elevating human free will as as the ultimate. Sure. Yeah. Here. It. it uh, yeah. I mean, it. Whatever. We've done plenty of episodes <laughs> on that stuff, but we could chase that yeah. and you just go off. I'm having to fight there so bad. God is sovereign over salvation. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, just, we can just leave it at that. But, but the logic of it is so bad, yeah, too, because... Uh, George, I think, you know, when people make me really mad, uh-huh. 
uh, I should just be able to smash them in the face with a baseball bat. Right. It's my choice. I mean, you can't take that choice from me, and you can't restrain that choice in any way because mm-hmm. choice is sacred. Yeah, it's it's false equivalency. Right. Right. So the choice to become a Christian, the choice to murder somebody. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. You man. can't you can't take away choice. Uh huh. Yeah. Because choice is sacred. Right. But they can make you wear a seatbelt. Right. That choice is not sacred. Right. Right. That choice to wear a seatbelt or not? Mm. Mm. No. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's so I'm like, it's, it's so stupid. Right. I'm tired of stupid people, George. Well. I'm so tired of it. <clears throat> well, get ready. Uh, this was probably the stupidest one. This is the, probably the most blasphemous one that, that I found. If God can kill his only son, you should be allowed to kill yours. Oh, goodness, George. I'm... Sometimes the Viking blood, it starts to boil. <laughs> yeah. I have to resist the urge to start throwing tables and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are, do some things even need commented on? Do, do they? I I don't. I, I don't know, Jay. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. There's a level. There's seriously. Can we just say you're you are you're stupid? Like the the sin that has that is in all of us has literally made you stupid. Your mind is so corrupted you can't even think anymore. Yeah. Go sit at the kitty table. Yeah. Um, again, it's. Um, I mean, it's this is this is a Genesis three issue you will become like god that's what that's what people want Mm -hmm. god can do this so you should be able to do it too Mm -hmm. um no that's 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 not how this works um but uh the idea that um abortion is equal to God sending Christ to mm-hmm. redeem his people is just, it's a level of, of blasphemy that, like you said, I don't know if we really need to respond to it. No, I don't think so. I don't, I, think I don't know. I mean, what, what else can we say to yeah, that, to that level of um, heartlessness? Right. There's no there's no answer that can be given that will be satisfactory. Right. Right. Uh here's another one, Jay. The greatest threat to Christianity is not secularity, it is certainty. When you are so convinced that you are right, then you will create all types of enemies and cut yourself off from all the ways God is active in another person's experience. Whatever that means. I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> is he certain about that? That's that's my question. Right. Are you sure about that? Are you are you certain that that's what will happen? Don't cut yourself off from my experience, dude. Like yeah. my my experience, you know, is that God's given us certainties. But if you make that certain statement, Dante Stu, then you might cut yourself off from my experience. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what what that means. You might cut yourself off from how God's working in my life, yeah, by that certain tweet, you know. Yeah, I, 
it's just it's incomprehensible like you can't you can't even really get to what they're they're trying to argue the greatest mm. threat to christianity is certainty right I don't. I don't. I guess stupid. I don't know. Uh, this is the one I really wanted to uh, to talk about. Okay. Um, because I think a lot of Christians they kind of fall into this this trap. Uh, even legitimate, like like sincere Christians. It's the same I guy. Think they, I think they fall into. Yeah, it's the same guy. He's so, I, I think something they, funny. I, I think they fall into this. Something funny happened in his room. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Take a, a picture. Yeah. He's a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nobody is telling Christians that we can't preach or pray or have to give up our religion. Really? <laughs> There's a problem with that, right, first, yeah. that first sentence. What they are saying is that we have to give up the arrogant idea that this is a Christian nation, that our faith has a divine right to power, and that it is the standard and authority. Um, so what they're saying is that Christians, it's, it's, I mean, it's the same guy. So he's mm -hmm. talking about certainty. So Christians cannot say our religion is better than right. every other religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we don't have, we have to give, it's an arrogant idea. According to this guy, it's an arrogant idea to claim that America is a Christian nation. Now we could go off on and talk yeah. about that but uh, that our faith has a divine right to power and that it is the standard and authority we have to give that up jay well and i think and i think a lot of christians do that they I, th do. I think in the public square they come to arguments like this like with abortion or or homosexuality or or you know pick something and they they do they they say well i have to i have to give up this idea that that my religion is better. We have to come on equal terms. Mm -hmm. We have to there's we have to come with neutral ground. And what they end up doing is they end up giving up their their authority while the other person holds on to their authority. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, if you put that tweet back up, um, I think there's some stuff in here that's important. Um, you should give up the idea this is a Christian nation because it no longer is. Uh, at one time, our see our nation was founded with the uh, these ideas of these these certain uh, rights that we have or that are that are from God, mm -hmm. and then our constitution is written in order to restrain the government's ability to step on our God-given rights. Okay, right, right. And given that Christianity was the underpinning of our civilization and had so much influenced our civilization, you then could have very little government, actual government. Mm. So. The more Christian a nation is, the more self-government there is, because God's the goodness of God and His law actually restrains the person, right? And that's how our nation was founded. Yeah. Now, the, what has occurred is that our nation has given itself over to other false gods of secularism, of materialism, of uh, various false gods that are behind different religions and um, all kinds of stuff, right? And so as we've thrown off our Christian heritage, what's required is more uh, top-down, um, what's the term? There's a term for it, um, central planning of government. You've got to have more government over people because the people can no longer govern themselves and restrain their evil. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's how I would argue 
People say, well, I don't like you saying we're not a Christian nation. Well, we're not. The people cannot restrain themselves any longer, so they require more and more and more, and it will just keep going until we end up with like an insanely heavy-handed top-down government because the people have thrown God off. And God's like, all right, fine, go for it. It's about to, about to get real bad for you. Um, our faith has a divine right to power. I would say um, this is the incorrect way of even looking at it to begin with. Um, <clears throat> when Christ said that his kingdom was not of this world, if it were, his people would be fighting already. Uh, that does not, therefore, indicate that Christ will not reign. That's, that's, I think, where this guy has messed up. Christ has uh, risen from the dead, and he, and he himself already has all power and authority that's been given to him. Now, we believe that Christ will return, and I hate to break this to people because they may not have ever thought of Jesus like this. He's going to destroy every nation on the face of the planet. He's going to smash and utterly destroy every rebel against him. It will be an absolute massacre. Yeah. And then he will reign in an absolutely perfect creation. So there is a divine right to power. We just aren't to seek it by the world's means. Okay, Christians don't go like Muslims seeking to, by the sword, conquer. Right. Now, then we go this third step. That does not mean that we don't fight for Christ's kingdom in the earth. Because we do. Because... His standard and his authority is the standard and the authority. Right. So when we're making these arguments, like they're arguing from a position of their God. Now they won't say it's a God, but it's their God. We argue from a position of our God. We're arguing from a position of exclusivity. Yes. Like Christ is not one of of uh you know, plurality of of different gods mm-hmm. and they all have a right to be worshipped by their people. He is king. I should have put these on. Should I put these on? <laughs> when that last segment? Uh-huh. They're crooked. There we go. Christ is king. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> He's coming again. He will smash uh-huh. all nations. He has the divine right to power and authority. Right. <laughs> and we will not pretend and argue as if he does not. Yeah, don't um, don't give up the. You like these, uh, George? I like them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm having a hard time concentrating with you sitting over there like that with your Thug Life glasses. <laughs> um, Christ is King, and we don't give up that that claim when we're arguing over social issues mm-hmm. <laughs> or issues of. Of morality and the government's role in in these uh, these things, Christ is King. His word is law, and you we call people to submit to him. Right, um, they're rebels, and we're calling them to submit to the King. Um, lay down their arms, lay down their rebellion before he comes and he crushes their rebellion. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yes, <laughs> the Christian faith. That it is the standard and the authority, so we can say with all authority, um, Hit. do not murder, and that means don't murder children in the womb, and we can um, say that is the standard, well, that is the authority, um, yeah, I mean, and that's not an arrogant idea, because we didn't come up with it. We are simply the messengers of, of God's word. 
It's, it, it's absolutely, <laughs> George, George, it is, uh, it is absolutely insane to me to right. think that there could be a Christian, right, who is actually, that Christ is the Lord of their life, yeah, and would say, we, we don't really want a Christian nation. <laughs> right. Like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? Because a Christian nation, a nation that was actually in full submission to Christ, uh, would be the best place to live that has ever existed right. outside of Eden. Yeah. And you don't want that? Right. That's to say God's word isn't good, that God doesn't know what's best for us. <laughs> it's, arrogant. it's arrogant in our day and age to say that one, one worldview is superior to another. Mm-hmm. There. They're all supposed to be equal, except Christianity is worse than than all the others. But Christianity is superior to all other worldviews. The the culture that Christianity um, allows for and fosters is superior to the pagans. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can just go through history, Mm -hmm. treatment of children, treatment of women, all of these things. Uh, safety, security. Um, I mean, you go back. It, this is this this is such an easy thing to see, right? There was a time, like not very long ago, when people used to go to school with guns in their truck, right? And not just a little bit, of, like like a few people. It's like everybody had a truck, and you know, in the back window there was a rifle. And guess what? Guess what happened fifty years ago? Nobody shot each other up. Nobody killed. There weren't mass shootings at schools. Right, people used to leave their doors unlocked. That was how things were in America. I mean, maybe not in like New York City or like Chicago, but the majority of the cities in America, people wouldn't lock their doors. Why wouldn't they? Because they weren't worried about serial killers. Serial killers emerged. Like, of course, there's always been time through time. There have been like a few select anomalies, but the number of serial killers that you should look it up. Just look it up, like go to the FBI or whatever. Is insane, dude. You will want to be strapped all the time. If you have a daughter, you will want to teach her to be lethal, like a ninja from the time she's five years old with the number of serial killers in the world. Well, how did? why did that happen? Why are there mass shootings in schools? Why are there serial killers everywhere? Why are there rapers everywhere? Why do you have to lock your door? Well, it's because we have moved away from being a... Uh, air quote, Christian nation, right? And now we are a nation of, what are we? We're, we're a ball nation. That's what we are. Mm. Yeah, we're pagan. We're a pagan nation. And so mass shootings, mass murder, yeah, rapes. Every, I mean, it, it, and there is, it's the trend isn't trending good. It, like, it's like right. the more secular humanist we get, mm. like society gets better. No. Less safe, more crime. I mean, it's this is so obvious. I'll take this off now, so you can take me seriously. But it should. I was be hanging on every word that you were saying, Jay, because you yeah. had those glasses on. Um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, I think enough said. Okay. Well, you had uh, you you were uh, working on something um, that we were going to talk through. Yeah. Okay. So there. We've got a couple more things. You want to do the uh, abortion thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to think through, okay, because, you know, I I always want to try to, I would want to try to win someone over to the biblical way of thinking Um, and do it with truth and in love like we should. 
there are a lot of people saying that they are pro-choice Christians out there. You know, this is, of course, this... Well, choice is sacred, Jay. Yeah, uh, like this guy. Um, but they're a pro-choice Christian. Now, I, I don't want to argue from like a Democrat or Republican thing. That's not even in my in this argumentation. They're just people that would say that they are a Christian, follower of Christ, but they're pro-choice. So what I wanted to think through is, what must you do in order to be that, right? So first I would say, I do believe there are people who are actually Christians that are pro-choice, and before people get freaked out, let me explain. Uh, The argument that I would make that comes from someone who is a new convert, all right? Now, I'm not saying someone who says that they've been a Christian for 30 years. I'm saying when you become a a new Christian, your entire mind has been... um, developed and framed by the secular world and your sin nature. This is why in Romans, Romans 12, 1, Paul, after making his incredible arguments for the gospel, uh, explaining what the gospel is and and all of that stuff, he gets to chapter 12, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So now the appeal comes, if you have repented of your sin and trusted Christ, you're justified by faith. If you are a Christian, now your entire life, everything about you should be worshiped to God, right? Everything, not just on Sundays, but your whole life, the way you think, the way you talk, the way everything. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So people, let's say you're an adult, you know, you're listening, and you say you're a pro-choice Christian, but you've become a Christian. The Bible tells you that you're to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There is a way you once thought, but the Bible has a different way. God will be doing the work through the Spirit and changing your mind. Um, we can't separate, really, who we are from our from our brains, right? We don't believe that we're something else. We're not just our brain, but we aren't there's not like the separation that takes place so the way you think can change and the spirit can convince you of that and this RC Sproul's entire ministry is called renewing your mind right right so what must people do in order to maintain and to say i am a pro choice christian all right let's talk so let's talk about this so number 1 you've got to redefine words this is the first thing that you have to do you must redefine words and terms. Um, In particular, you must redefine humanity, okay? You have to redefine and use a different word that we usually use when we're talking about this, which is baby, and they do this by calling this a fetus. Mm -hmm. It's not a baby, it's a fetus, which means... And what this really is, and you may not have realized this if you're listening, is what you've done is the same thing that soldiers would do in war, and it's dehumanization. So there's a book called On Killing and On Combat. A lot of research has gone into these into these two books. Um, it's the psychology of killing and what do humans do, and they've done it throughout history, um, in order to an- allow them to harm a human, another human being. Because... Even though the fall has affected us in a variety of ways, take killing another human life is against our very nature. It's against what God has hardwired into the world. And we we intrinsically know we shouldn't do it. 
even when it's absolutely necessary, as in cases such as war. So it's not a German, it's Jerry, right? Or it's a Kraut. And um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, not a, it's not a person, it's a gook. You know, like we come up with these terms, or maybe a more modern word, m- more modern version of that would be it's haji. That's what they call, you know, people in the Middle East. Mm. They're not killing humans, they're killing hajis. And so there's this kind of dehumanization that has to occur in order to enable this to happen. Well, the same thing happens in abortion, in the abortion industry. It's no longer a human baby, it's a fetus. Mm. We're playing word games, we're redefining things, because that allows our conscience to go places that it would not be able to go before. Yeah. Right? Um, and to do that is to, in that redefinition, also comes something where you would deny the substance of the human because it's in a different location. And this would be a denial of Luke 440. Uh, it's, a, it's not Luke 444. Wait, it's, uh, you, may, you may be able to find it. It might be Luke 444, actually. It's uh, where John the Baptist is described as a brephos. It's 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 uh it's Luke one I believe is it Luke one forty four uh yes okay uh, he he is des- he's it's him right he's described as a brephos the Bible doesn't have two different terms mm-hmm. there's a baby out of the womb there's a baby in the womb right it's the same term it's the same yeah. and it's John the Baptist leaping for joy inside the womb right when Mary comes mm-hmm. because she's going to. Give birth to the Messiah, and I, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think Elizabeth is six months pregnant mm-hmm. um, at this point. Yeah, so within the age that people today call this a fetus, mm-hmm. and would say, "Hey, go ahead and <sighs> right kill the fetus." That's but see, that's how they. So that's I, what's required yeah, is a so redefinition I, I, of terms. I don't, I don't know. Like I, you're, I, I told you I wanted to. Like, be surprised mm-hmm. as you were walking through this. I wanted to. I wanted to hear this along with with uh, those who are are listening. What do you do with the people that they acknowledge that it's a baby, mm-hmm. but all of these other issues take precedence over this? Maybe are we'll hang get... on to that one. At okay, the, uh, we can maybe use that one at the very very end. Okay. Um, so the next thing you would say is, if you're a person who says that you're a Christian, but you're pro-choice, the next thing that you've got to do to maintain your position, other than redefine what a baby is, is you've got to deny the Imago Dei. You've got to, you've got to deny the image of God. Um, and you have to believe that, that the image of God is not something that's inherent to what it means to be a human. It's something that God confers upon someone at a later stage, mm. right? Yeah. Um, the image of God is given in the in the garden. God creates man and woman in his image and in his likeness. He does, like, as glorious as the angels are, and this is where I disagree with, with I think there's only maybe one main theologian today that kind of says this, they don't, there's no evidence that angels have the image of God, mm-hmm. right? That's something particular given to humanity. Mm-hmm. We're special. Right. Um, I think you can argue from the Bible that we are the apex of God's creation, Man's created last, and then he rests. We are the apex of God's creation. Creation of angels isn't even 
right. it's not even talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not described in those six days. So you have to deny that reality right. is is can, contained within a baby in the womb, and you have to say this is something that's given at some later point. Mm-hmm. We don't know when, and no one in no one in church history has ever held that position. Yeah, see what I mean? Yeah, it's it's um, it's ontological. It's it's being. Yes, we we are the image of God. Right, not. We contain not we, it, not or, we become the right. image of God, uh-huh. or it's conferred upon us. We are in it, it just just who we are yes. as created in the image of God. As you said, it's ontological, meaning it is our essence. Yeah. and this is why someone who is born that is um, special—we they say special now—or mm-hmm. has birth like defects or deformities. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't say that they're a subclass of human. Right. Well, other people would, the secular world would, but yeah. we still say they're the image of God, right. though marred to various degrees. I, I believe I believe it's uh, the Down syndrome babies that are aborted the most. Oh, yeah. Oh, when, yeah. When they, because they do tests. They yes. do tests during the pregnancy, yes. and they can determine whether your baby is going to be born with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And people just, they just murder oh, Down yeah. syndrome babies. Mm-hmm. Whereas the scriptures and, and Christians would affirm that that having Down syndrome or any other any other abnormalities or, or uh, you know special needs does not change the fact that you are made in the image of God one iota right um, you, you are as just as much the image of God as you know the prime specimen of, right. of humanity. And what it would have people done, secular people done through history, um, whether it's the Chinese or modern Americans in the West with Down, people with Down syndrome, or it's Hitler, what do they do with people who have defects? Well, I, 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 when you were saying that, I was thinking about the Spartans. Uh-huh. Like if, if, uh, if a Spartan baby was born with a defect, they'd just throw them out into the Throw it away in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just throw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Romans would do the same thing, right? Um, because you know, they're the denying Ch- its humanity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Chinese, the Chinese do it. The Chinese government and their their policies. Um, if the baby is not a male, or if there's some kind of defect, you know, you have to abort it. Uh, same, same in America. I mean, they do all these tests, and if there's something, you know, wrong. Right. Um, yeah, they. It's just a matter of convenience. And as Christians, we can't deny that because we believe the image of God, as you said, is our essence. Yeah, it's not conferred upon us at some later time. <laughs> right. So deny the Bible's teaching about the Imago Dei. Third, you have to deny um, Psalm one thirty. Where is it? One thirty nine. You have to design, deny Psalm one thirty nine, thirteen through sixteen. You may have never heard this before, but in this psalm, what we read is that God forms us. He's actu- He's actively taking an active role in us, in, in our development from the very, very beginning. Right? It's not something that later he's involved with. Do you want to read that since you have the best reading voice? Uh, 13 through 16? I believe that's the okay. section about it, yeah. Uh, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. There you go. So to be a pro-choice Christian, you have to deny that. And that I guess that means you maybe believe in evolution or, or something. I don't know. You believe that God is maybe a deist. He's just kind of put the processes there to where these things would happen on their own automatically, but that he's not actually intricately involved in every human from, yeah. ver- from the very beginning uh, at conception. Yeah, I didn't know if you had a, a, a another um, number there where you'd have to deny God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's that's what we see, right? Um, so even if someone's born with with some kind of abnormality, um, we believe that this is part of God's providence. Yes, um, that this is part of God's purpose, mm-hmm. um, and that that is to say that this is some kind of accident and to abort someone that has this, um, you know, uh, some kind of of birth defect. Mm-hmm would be to deny the goodness of God's sovereignty mm-hmm. um, in knitting a person together in the womb. Right. Yeah, that's right. And that's that comes out even in that, in that latter part about their days being known by God before they were ever formed. Mm-hmm. Um, God knows, according to God, you're a person before you were formed in the womb. Now, um, again, this is the Christian worldview. <clears throat> People want to make the argument about abortion, and they say, uh, personhood doesn't happen till whatever. Again, that just gets back to the dehumanization part of it that's required. But according to God, you're a person before he even forms you in the womb. And as you brought out, the sovereignty of God is involved. So you've got to deny what the Bible says here, which it's very clear. Uh, fourth, you've got to redefine murder which is uh, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder. So maybe you would, and I'm just trying to think through what could possibly happen, maybe you wouldn't try to redefine humanity or what a baby is, but you would say there are just exceptions which are allowable for another human to murder another human. And again, there are there are times, such as in war, when there are things like justified killing or killing in self-defense, which may spark some conversation about can we redefine when it's okay for a human to kill another human? So that's when these other arguments come in. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. I, I think this also goes back to, number one, redefining terms. Mm-hmm. And we've been so ingrained. I mean, I did it just a minute ago. We We call it abortion. And we talk about aborting rather than murder because right. it's been so ingrained in us. I mean, mm-hmm. we we've grown up with with um, abortion, legal murder, um, just being part of of life, right? Um, but I I think that we have to get back to the idea that that this is not a medical procedure, mm-hmm. right? This is the intentional taking of a human life, and that's where. Uh, you know, people, uh, you probably saw all kinds of, of posts and tweets about, you know, uh, miscarriage as an abortion, right. ectopic pregnancy as an abortion, all, all of these, because a miscarriage is labeled 
um, spontaneous abortion. Right, right. Um, and so we've we've got our terms all jumbled, all up. jumbled up. It's all mixed up. We need to be very very clear on what we're saying. We're saying that that intentionally taking a human life is murder, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what uh, that's what's ele- that's what an elective abortion is. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no there's no justifiable cause for this. They right. they are. They are taking a human life in the womb. Right. Well, what they will argue, and this gets back to your what you kind of brought up in the beginning, they'll say there's certain cases, mm. right? And it just so happens to most people today, those certain cases would be things like, I couldn't have a career. And so my life's more valuable than the life of this child, or like a teenage pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, which you know, one of our church members got pregnant and had a baby when they were 15 years old. Mm. And they have a great, they have great marriage and great children. Mm-hmm. Um, but the world would say, just a, just abort, abort your child. You're 15. What do you do? What do you do with a child when you're 15 years old? Right. You can't have a career. You'll never go to college. You never make anything of yourself. And so, even those that are uh, many that would say they're Christians would say, you know what? In most cases, I'm against abortion. But you know, if a, if there's a like a a teenage pregnancy. That's going to ruin that person's life, and her life, they won't say it out loud, is more important than the life of that baby. Mm. It's like an argument from utilitarianism, yeah, right, right, um, which isn't a great maybe ethic for a Christian to have in the first place. But then there comes the redefinitions in these cases, and of course, they'll apply it to a variety of other other situations as well. Mm-hmm. So, you got to redefine what murder is. Anything else you want to say on that? No, I. I, I well, let's keep going. Okay, this is. I think this is the big. This is a big one here. Okay, uh, you must deny the hypostatic union. If you are a pro-choice Christian, you believe that abortion is okay. You probably have done the other steps we already talked about. And therefore, you must deny the hypostatic union. All right. So this is, um, I hadn't really heard this argument until this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hadn't really thought of it. I mean, it's it's so clear. Um, but this is, bringing, this is bringing our theology very clearly into the argument. Right. Um, and as Christians, we need to be really clear on our theology of who Christ is. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's start by by very carefully defining the hypostatic union because okay. that's probably not something that a lot of people have heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, though Shylin has uh, a yeah, great, you can go great, listen to uh, a song about great it. Rap on the hypostatic union. Yeah. Um, so let's let's very carefully define the hypostatic union and then let's bring it into how abortion is is denying it's a christological heresy right um if you're if you're doing these things if you're den- if you're redefining your terms and denying personhood of a baby mm-hmm. from conception you are committing a christological heresy mm-hmm. all right so hypostatic union what in the world does that even mean jay so Hebrews 1.3 will say things like um he's the radiance of the glory of god the exact imprint of his nature uh-huh so we would say in the one person, Jesus Christ, there exists uh, 
two natures. Okay. And the hypostatic union is that those two natures are unified in the one person. Okay, so what what so are we So he's what, true God. What, okay. Just as the Father is God, the Son is God. Mm-hmm. He's not a separate God. He is true God. Right. He's also truly a man, just like you and I. Mm-hmm. These two natures exist in the one person and they can never be separated. If you separate them at any point in time, and this is the argument, post-fertilization, then you have not Jesus anymore. You have something else. Right. And there are many Christological heresies of different kinds, but I think the one it would fall into would be adoptionism. Okay. That you'd have to say, if you're a pro-abort, that there came a period of time in the development of the baby in the womb the the human nature right. reached a certain level of development where the divine nature adopted and they became Jesus. So there's some point in the physical nature of the son uh-huh. where he's truly God but not truly man. Mm-hmm. He's something else. Right. He's a clump of cells. He's truly God and truly a clump of cells. Right. He's not, he, yeah. Well, no, I, I don't. So I think, see, because even if you held that position and you wanted to be pro choice, what you'd have to say is it would have been okay for, uh, which no one would ever say. It was like, oh, you, there's no way Jesus, like, think about killing Jesus in the womb. Mm-hmm. No. What right. they would do is they have to separate it mm-hmm. and say at some time later, the divine okay. came in. I gotcha. Okay. That's where the adoptionism right. comes okay. in. I gotcha. Because yep. then it's just a developmental clump of cells. Mm. But at some time in the development, it could have been right before he was born or after he was born, the divine came okay. and the two natures were united in the one person. Okay. I gotcha. But that's not what the Bible teaches that he is Jesus. Right. At the the Holy Spirit will come and overshadow you. Mm-hmm. And the person who is conceived is Jesus Christ, the God man. Right. At the point of conception, mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of the argument. Okay, see what yeah. I mean. So yeah. to be a pro to be a pro choice Christian is to deny that reality. Mm. It's to deny the hypostatic union. Yeah, you see what I mean. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we see this. Um, we see this again in in Luke chapter one, mm-hmm. where Mary shows up. She's pregnant, mm-hmm. just pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like she's just, she's probably not even a month uh, pregnant. She comes in and John leaps in the womb. Right. Um, and what the angel says yeah. about right, yeah, what will be conceived in her, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. um, going to become right at some time mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, right, God with us. What is conceived in her will be Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Yeah. So, in the, again, I mean, to be great, to be gracious with those that maybe maybe they would listen, maybe you'd pass this this podcast on to them. This may be something that you have just never thought about and never learned. And so we go back to the beginning when we said this is the part of the process of the renewal of your mind when you encounter these things that come from the Bible and contradict what you believe about the world and reality. Um, it's up to you to yield to them, to have your mind transformed by the Bible. So to leave your former ways behind 
and adopt uh, the ways of a Christian, right? So there's that one. You want to add any more to that? Uh, no, no. I'm uh, looking at something else, but uh, you can keep. You make it. You may go ahead going. and turn over to Exodus 22, um, Exodus 22, 22 through 24 for this next one. Okay. If you can, oh, are you you're looking up something else? Yeah, I was looking at what the angel told Joseph. Okay, okay. Yeah, you wanted to read it, and he he says he says the he says similar. Um, yeah, the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So there, he's he's being called the child, right? Um, not something else, <laughs> right? Like he's he is a, and this is per, he's a person. That's literally at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the earliest stages of development. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number six comes from Exodus 22, uh, 22 through 24. Uh, if you want to read it, George, that would be good. I'll set it up as you go there. Uh, two two men fight. It's kind of like, so you know like how in our laws, our laws kind of capture this, which is interesting, <laughs> right? So if a, if, if a guy murders a woman, he's he's going to be convicted of a single homicide, right? But if she's pregnant and the baby dies, what happens, George? Yeah, I mean they're charged with they're double, charged with double homicide. Double homicide because yeah. there's a baby in her. Well, you've you've got the um you've got the I don't even know what to call it. I mean it's a it's a double standard I, I guess. It's it's absurdity is what it is is mm-hmm. that if the woman's pregnant and something if if someone does something to her that causes her to to miscarry then it's a murder mm-hmm. but if the if the mother doesn't want the baby and goes and does <laughs> commits murder intentionally then it's not right um yeah. it's 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 bizarre right yeah it definitely is um so can you read that for us the sim- similar type of situation okay I think our, uh, I think my camera. Did died your camera today. die? Yeah. Are you going to slide over here, George? Sure, sure. Come on, come on in here, George. Right. Well, it's it's going to be difficult because I've got. Just bring your Bible over. Well, I don't know if I can get. Uh, I don't know if I can get the, the microphone. I got to have the microphone, Jay. <laughs> oh, okay. that's true. I forgot about it. I forgot about the microphone. Why don't you just, just, uh, just, just unhook it and just bring just it pretend- over? <laughs> Check this out. We're, we... we're professional here. Very yeah, prof- yeah. Scan, very professional. Scan out and turn it this direction. So we knew that there. This... There you are. Well, uh, there we go. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. The camera uh, died. We knew the camera was going to die. So, hey, this is a great time to plug the fact that if you uh, if you want uh, yeah if you, you want better quality yeah you, you <laughs> a podcast can... uh, you are welcome to donate to the podcast. I'll tell you what. I'll take an old get... iPhone. Yeah. If you got an iPhone eight, eight or nine, you don't use it, it's laying around the house, just go ahead and hit us up and you can send it to us. If you're listening and you don't know how to contact us, there's a little spot on the website where you can put an email in there. So somebody's gotta have an iPhone eight or nine laying around by now that they're not using, don't you think? I would think so. Yeah. That, that's uh, what I'll do. It. Uh, camera, um, the camera. If they want to uh, donate monetary, a monetary donation, yeah, um, yeah to, to, anything to, to to the podcast. 
Um, it's a ministry of Christ Fellowship Church, right. and uh, that will help us to not have a, uh, a camera die on us in hey, the middle of the podcast. It may be for the first time this this one's appeared, Christ Alone, because it's always like my camera, your camera. Uh-huh. This one's never yeah. seen. But. Okay. All, All right, right, so you got the passage? Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I think you said Exodus 22, but it's Exodus 21. 21? Yeah. Okay. Um, Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25, um, says, If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. So if, if two men are fighting and, and uh, a, woman gets, uh, a pregnant woman gets hit and she, she goes into labor and, and delivers the baby and everything's fine, he's, he's going to be fined. Yeah. Um, as the judge decides. Mm-hmm. But, verse 23 says, but if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the baby is delivered and and everything is healthy, then he's fine because he still committed a, a crime. He right. still committed an offense against the woman and her child. But if there is, if there's some kind of physical damage, then he's going to incur a, a more severe punishment. Mm-hmm. And the very first punishment is life for life. So if the yeah. baby dies, if she has a miscarriage, then his life is forfeit. Also, right? It's the death penalty. Yes. So you you have to deny and what so the argument that I'm making here is that if you are a pro-choice Christian you've got to deny the justice of God. You have to deny God, God what God determines in this situation is just. Right. Because it's just a fetus. Yeah. It's not real so why would God make this type of a drastic of a of a punishment? Mhm. Yeah, because this is the uh, this would be the same punishment as is found in Genesis chapter nine, mm-hmm. um, which is capital punishment for murder. That's the same punishment that's being delivered here. Yes. So, um, so it's it is affirming. Uh, so the the death penalty um, passage in Genesis nine is based on the fact that man is made in the image of God. Uh huh. So it's uh, it it is affirming. The Imago Dei in a baby, mm-hmm. um, and it is um, it is keeping the definition of murder for a a person outside the womb as as the same uh, for a person who's inside the womb, right? Right. Um, so it's uh, it's it's holding that all together, right? Um, and then the last one coming from that is if you want to be a pro-choice Christian, you've got to redefine. Or come up with a new standard for what the punishment should be for murder, which most do anyway. So Genesis nine six gives us that standard that if a human being kills another human being, an image bearer kills another image bearer, that they forfeit their right to live. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is uh, this is often a contentious issue because there are Christians that are against the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can get there, uh, because the Bible clearly calls for the the governing authorities to wield the sword. That's right. Romans thirteen um, that God has given given that authority to the state. Mm-hmm. That that is the purpose of the state. 
Right. It is to curb wickedness by wielding the sword against evildoers. Right. It's not a call for people to go around like becoming the Avenger of Blood. Yeah. And like killing like it's the state. It's right. The, it belongs it's the to government. the government. The right. government is to punish. Um, evil. It's the same. It's the same here in in Exodus twenty two. If there's further injury, if if the child dies, that does not give the husband the right to go the right to him. go kill the person. This is a uh, this is a government issue. Right. This uh-huh. is this is the state. Um, right. So the judge will decide what the punishment is, and then the uh, the community mm-hmm. will in, exact the the death penalty, not yeah. not the individual. So you have to do. That's what I'm arguing. You is. To be a pro-choice Christian, you would have to do all of that stuff. Now, I don't think a Christian can do that. Yeah, I, th- I don't think I think a Christian that is faced with all of this evidence um, from the Bible will yield mm-hmm. and will change their mind. Yeah. So I don't buy into it. <laughs> like I said, for someone who has just yeah. become a Christian, I uh-huh. think you can give grace and then you can present this type of evidence. Yeah. And I think they'll change their mind. I yeah. think the Holy Spirit will change their mind, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can ha- you can be like, you know, uh, Pastor uh, Warnock, Pastor air quotes Warnock, who is, I mean, he is against everything we just laid out. He would deny. He has he's to the, deny all of the that. He's the guy from Georgia. From Georgia, yes. Yeah. I think he's a senator from Georgia. Uh, yeah, I think H- he's... Herschel Walker is going up against him this time. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's there's there's I, I just wanted to kind of bring that out to the podcast, uh, and then to to deny some of these things, like to redefine murder or to uh, to redefine the punishment, because there are there are people that are saying even the the uh, the pres the I guess he's the stand-in president for the ERLC right now. Yeah. Um, I am I'm blanking on his name. I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway, don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, he said that you will never be able to get me to say that the woman, the woman should be punished for getting an abortion. Mm-hmm. That's redefining the punishment, right? It is, and he's <laughs> never been to an abortion clinic. That's what um, he tells me. And what that what that does is it denies that abortion is a sin, a personal sin that the woman is committing. He's, mm-hmm. He is saying that the doctor is is liable for this. He's committing a sin, but the woman, the mother, is not committing a sin. Mm-hmm. And by denying that, he's denying that she needs the forgiveness that's only found in Christ. Well, so if you if you say the woman is not the woman's not guilty of murder, yeah. so she shouldn't be tried for murder, you're saying that she's not committing a sin, and so mm-hmm. she doesn't need the forgiveness that's found. In Christ, and yeah. so you're cutting her off from you're cutting her off from salvation. You are. This is. I mean, this is heinous. And you're. And you're. Which that's probably the worst part. But also, you're denying. You're doing the steps we just laid out. Um, you're being uh, double-minded mm. because he would never say the same thing to a woman who would walk up uh, or take a baby. Let's not even go two-year-old. But if a woman were have a a, a baby in her arms, mm. baby outside the womb. That she that she would take it to a hitman and say, "I don't want this baby. Will you kill this baby for me?" Yeah. Uh, no matter the amount of pressure that someone had put on her to do that, right? Um, he would say, "No, that woman's guilty of murder as well mm-hmm. as the hitman she hired." Yeah. Or a two-year-old. Uh, the kid's going through the terrible twos. I'm having second thoughts. 
if I give you $2,000, would you kill this, this kid for me? He would be like, no. And he probably would ask for the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just won't do it for a baby inside the womb, which means he is doing one of the other steps we laid out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is a really clear issue. Um, I don't think you even need to be a Christian to say that this is horrendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Christians, um, th- these arguments, choice is sacred. Um, uh, we can't we can't demand that our faith is the standard and authority. Um, we can't have certainty. We can't we can't be pressing for certainty. All of this is just absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. This is this is so black and white. This is so clear um, that there is just no way that a Christian should ever say that abortion's okay, um, even in the case of rape or incest, which mm-hmm. are what not not even not even. Uh, not not even like one percent. Yeah, like, not even what, a like, percent. Well, yeah, like, like a fraction of one percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, most most murders, most most abortions, they are done out of convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the case of rape or incest, um, even for the even for the life of the mother. Which we've talked about this before. We live in a you know medical age when that's not even it's not a thing anymore. That's not even that's not even if they have to take if they have to take the child out very early mm. and the child ends up dying, that's different than intent going in and intentionally just terminating the child. Right. Um, you can take the, you can take the child out, try a whole variety of things, and mm. yeah, that's that's different than going in and intentionally intentionally just killing. Yeah. Um, but to uh, to say, well, this bad thing's happened to me, so I'm justified in murder. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can't find that in the scriptures. Right. <laughs> you can't find that. Um, a, a Christian should not be thinking that way. We should be affirming the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, how He's governing all things. That even even I mean, terrible things do happen. We live in a fallen world. We we sin against people, and we're sinned against, and terrible things happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not justify us throwing off the law of God and and committing. Uh, a terrible sin against right. another person. Mm-hmm. Um, we should we should acknowledge the sovereignty of God. We should seek uh, we should seek God's help in difficult situations, um, and we should um, we should believe that God can bring good out of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he he does it all the time, um, and he can do it in the case of. Um, an unwanted pregnancy right. um, in the case of, of even rape and, and abuse and, and incest. Um, God can still do good things, mm-hmm. but um, at no point should we ever think that murder of uh, an innocent yeah. baby should be an option. Well, you want to shut it down? We're at an hour th- 35. You want to shut it down for us? 
Sure. All right, man. Hey. <laughs> well, uh, I hope that this was a um, beneficial episode for you. 200. 200 episode. 200. Uh, that's great. I guess. I mean, there are probably people listening. I'm like, eh, that's probably too many. Uh, but hopefully this has been helpful. Um, that it's been encouraging, uh, encouraging that it's been um, informative. And uh, if it has been, please make sure to like, subscribe, share. Um, again, if, uh, if you would like to donate, um, please feel free to do so. Um, you can contact us on Facebook. Um, and uh, as always, we hope that this has helped you to become more and more conformed to Christ. We'll see you next time.